Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I'm your host, Maria Moore, and as you may know by now, I am a mama, a mama four times over. And today's topic is one that is very near and dear to me. Uh, I had a conversation on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show recently about this. Mental health, suicide, helplessness, in our teenagers is on the rise. In fact, the CDC has issued a red alert about this. So today I have my best friend in the whole wide world, Desiree Jones. That sounds like a fitting name for a best friend. Really? It does. Well, you know. (laughs) And a boss and a millionaire. I mean, it sounds like it fits for a lot of things. Well, listen, speak it. Speak Mm -hmm. it, because I'm trying to get that coin. Yeah, and I could have just said, Desiree, I just put all your business out there. No, that's that's fine. Google me. (laughs) Well, I am so glad you are here because, you know, in addition to us having a true sisterly bond, and we're going to get into our friendship and our background and everything, you're also a mother. And we've had some pretty serious conversations about this. And we want to keep it, we want to focus on the facts, but we also want to be optimistic about things we can do now. Before we jump into that, first of all, I just want to say that I love you so much. And I'm, I'm so Aww. thankful that you're sitting in with me and doing this, girl. Because, you know, I've been doing this podcast for almost six months now. Mm-hmm. And I've done so many episodes alone. Yeah, and well, first of all, and you do them brilliantly. Yeah, I'll so. be having a mirror down here looking at myself. <laughs> So I do have a guest host. It's it's me in the mirror. <laughs> Speaking of mental health, I know, uh, right? <laughs> I think it's time that we talk about yeah what, what's going on there. No, well, first of all, I feel very honored to be here because Maria doesn't even talk about a lot of stuff, but she's a really big deal. So she's like, be on my podcast. I'm like, me. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm, my lips are quivering right now. I'm trying really hard not to interrupt you because I'm and stop you right I'm, now. I'm ser- we do have amazing conversations. We always said we need to like somebody needs to hear what we talk about. And her husband, James, makes so much fun of us. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, like strategy. And like, <laughs> yeah, how are we going to get there? And what is our target audience? And he always like makes fun of our little buzzwords. But ultimately, I feel like we have really... We always have really, really important conversations when we talk. Yeah. And then, I mean, we're silly sometimes, but I think we have, uh, we've done a lot of life together. So I'm really honored to be here because it's really personal. So I'm like, wait, so are we just like, are we just talking in general? Or like, are we, we going to get deep or what? Because, you know, that's how our conversations go. And I think um, when I met Maria, she was a mom of two boys and I didn't have any children at the time. And I was just like in awe. I like how she was juggling all of this. She didn't have any family. And it was just like, we just became very fast friends. And she was just, this is when she was, when she was developing like the beginning Maria, the guru. And she was all <laughs> into the law of attraction. And I remember, I remember so many little nuggets. She was like, yeah, girl, I just wrote it on a note and I put it in my top drawer and I just kept looking at it every day. And then boom, it yeah. happened. And I was just like, wow, like she taught me so much. Yeah. And so now, so when she looks at me today, like she doesn't realize that a part of the reason that I am how I am and I'm so resilient and all of these things is because she gave me so many principles when we were just beginning our friendship that really shaped my life. 
to be here having this conversation and she sees me as a peer and I don't think she understands that she's also the guru of my life. Oh, you're so yes, sweet. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, Desiree. so get a Desiree. No, get a Maria. Because when I tell you Maria, <laughs> we'll put she Maria will put the whole everything. But you want to do what? Oh, okay. You know what? Hold on. Let me talk to James because we, we can probably put some seed funds in there for you and get you started. Like that's when I moved to New York. Hold on. Let me just share this <laughs> I know. Look, 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 I'm looking at you like <laughs> no go. Go ahead and go, no, girl. Seriously. Go ahead. When I moved to New York, uh, it was a whole long story. I'm getting ready to move to New York. Y'all, I'm completely broke, right? But I got a job. And I'm like, I want to move to New York. You know what? Maria gave me like $2,500. And I moved to New York. I don't even remember I that. I swear. I had no I gave you $2,500? Yes. And that's when you you wasn't even balling. Like, you wasn't even balling, <laughs> Maria. <laughs> she gave me twenty five. I forgot about Listen. that. But wait, hold okay. that thought. Can I tell you what I remember? What do you now? Remember? Now that you don't work for that company no more, uh, <laughs> because when you was trying to get that oh, job, you needed a reference, right? Okay. Wait. <laughs> okay. No, I can't say it. Okay, I won't. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. We're not gonna name. This is how you know your network <laughs> is really important, and you gotta have people in high places that are ride or die for you, like. <laughs> So you was trying to get, listen, when I tell you, I, I shared this in the podcast before. I said, Desiree is the only non-blood family member that is in our estate plan. She has responsibilities if anything happens to me and my husband. We've had conversations, so we are like super close. When she was trying to get this really big time job in um, New York that she secured, um, she was working for this other company. And then so the job you were applying for wasn't, wasn't really aligned with what you no, were doing at the time. I was time. trying to get out of marketing, direct marketing, and go into PR, which was what my degree was in. Mm -hmm. And they wanted, it was like small stuff. Stuff now that I'm like, really? I was stressed about blog mm -hmm. writing. And when I tell you, Maria, not only was she my reference, I was an employee at her company. <laughs> So while I was, I was like, girl, you wrote all that stuff yeah. is on my site right she, now. She literally gave me credit for building her brand, <laughs> posting all of her social media and blog content, which like it's so the guy in my interview, the craziest part, right? Uh -huh. I, the blog was like a small part of my actual job when I started, right. but uh -huh. it was a big part of the end. He was so serious about it. And so kept saying, like, tell me more about like, so how were you, when you were doing the blog post, like, how did you plan things out? And I was like, yeah, you know, basically, you know, my client, uh, Maria, is on, she's on the radio <laughs> Your every client. day. And so she has midday motivations, right? So we take those midday motivations and then we turn <laughs> them into blog posts. <laughs> Yeah, that's when blogging was. That's before the social media was getting going. Um, right. Maybe just Facebook primarily, definitely not Instagram yet. Mm -hmm. The responsibilities you had in that position and how you grew and evolved as a professional and a right. person mm -hmm. as a result of that. That was just that was huge. And it was a huge company. But you proved yourself in so many ways and, and landed the job that you deserved. Well, thank you. But I yeah. definitely... You need to get you a Maria. Make sure that your I love you so much. Is die for you yeah, like I, I love you so much. I was sharing in the episode uh, prior to this one about the irony of effort and how it varies from person to person, and the resources mm -hmm. and the experiences and the people and the relationships that you have in your life determine how far you go. And I was talking about how important my husband is to me, mm -hmm. and and I said your name specifically. You know, mm -hmm. you're in the room when my my daughter was born. You know, you were there when I met my husband. And this is this is why everything happens like it's supposed to, mm -hmm. because we met at a job that 
we like the people and right. we developed some great friendships, people mm-hmm. that we're still friends with t- today. Right. Um, but it was just an awful, like, professional experience for all of us. And It was like a glorified call center. Yeah, and it we was. We It could have been a sitcom. And oh. people, you know, I've shared the story about the Harriet Tubman picture on oh, the podcast God. before. <laughs> but I, had it. I have nothing on my desk, no nothing personal, <laughs> no baby pictures, because when it was time to go, I didn't need to take my picture down. I said, Harriet Tubman was on my wall because she said, oh, you going to escape, girl. Yeah. I'm just so grateful that you're my friend and you're here with me to talk about this. But actually, before we jump into it, I do like to start the podcast with a focus on mind, body, and business. Mm-hmm. These episodes drop every Wednesday. So every seven days, you know, I encourage folks to check in with themselves, whether it's on a Wednesday, a Sunday, a Monday, but not, to not let seven days go by without saying, okay, well, what happened this week? You know, what was good? What was bad? What can I change? Mm-hmm. And so specifically related to the three pillars of this podcast, mind, body, and business, what comes top of mind for you girl your eyeballs are all the way on this side of the table right now because you look like you did not know I was going to ask you that question I did you not know and all I'm right very no. just top of mind just no, top no, of mind mind no, body absolutely, business absolutely mm-hmm. what I realized is that I did not have a lot of mind or body mm-hmm. this week I focused solely on business and it is not a good place to be in mm-hmm. and um, that's something that I have struggled with because I'm one of those type of people where no matter what, I want to get it done. Like I'm not, if I, if there is a deadline, if there is something happening, I will work 16 hours. If, if all the team is failing, I'm going to pick up everybody's things. And, and it's something I haven't quite changed, but what I have done is not gone from one major thing to another major thing without taking a break in between. Right. But I will say if, if I can survey the last week, I probably pushed it quite to the edge yeah and um and I mean you know count it all joy because th- great things happen as a result of it but it's definitely not something that I want to like make this is how I operate and and I've noticed that people who have worked for me that's a lot of pressure for them yeah so but um I would say it wasn't it was it was too much business and not enough mind and body so but I did kind of survey and realize like okay you can't start work at seven thirty in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to go take your dog for a walk you need to just take that time to plan for your day and do things like that. So yeah. I have I have t- taken the survey and realized I did a little too much. Yeah. It's really never, I don't know if I've ever had a week where it was like equal distribution to each area. Right. So there mm-hmm. are those weeks where it's dominant business. And it's funny because when it gets so dominant business, your mind and your body take a hit. You know, mm-hmm. when it's so dominant mind, when you're too heady, you know, right. your body and your business take you a hit. Well, so right? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because some people just kind of accept that they function under pressure and they work long hours and that's just who they are. And it's really important to just kind of set back and say, you know, I need a break. Maybe I need a little routine. You know, I need some vitamin D. I need to get out with my dog because that feels good. Because, you know, I own two dogs too. Mm -hmm. All right. I I think I influenced that. You did. You did. (laughs) And uh, I influenced you with motherhood, I guess. (laughs) Yes, yes. I very was in heavily. denial your entire pregnancy. Like I would look at pictures of of Lizzie. Her daughter's name is Elizabeth, and I'm like, who is this girl? Like yeah. I still. Like, I feel like it wasn't until probably the past two years that you stopped saying, "Girl, I just can't believe you." I'm like, I know, right? And she's seven now. <laughs> she is seven. She is seven. Yes. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Yep. So I was sharing with you, uh, of course, in addition to this being the Mind, Body, and Business podcast, I have a feature on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. 
called Mind, Body, and Business, and it's kind of like a super consolidated version mm -hmm. of what you can hear on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So this month, I was primarily focusing on Black-owned businesses, and, you know, it's Black History Month, and I was making every Friday Black Friday, just right. giving small businesses tips, and it had been going so well and been able to share a lot of really helpful information. But I also do the news on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, and one of the stories was about teen girls reporting record levels of violent sadness and suicide risk is according to a CDC survey. And I was thinking about it all week, Desiree, and God was like, talk about it on the radio. Mm -hmm. Let them know your struggles. Right. I was actually going to do a different topic for this week's podcast episode, but I said, no, I want to expand the conversation. I just want to read a little bit of the report, and this is from a USA Today article that cites the report from the CDC, teen girls are experiencing record levels of violent sadness and suicide risk in the U.S. Data showed 57% of high school girls felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021. 30% of girls seriously considered attempting suicide. 18% experienced sexual violence in the last year. 14% have been forced to have sex. That's a 27% increase from 2019. And that's not everything but, but that's like some of the contributing factors right yeah as a mom of four my all of my kids are equally important it's just something different about raising girls you know oh, what i yeah. mean absolutely and um when you think about the parenting that we experience as children do as i say not as i do being punished but not understanding but also conversely on the flip side not having access to toxic information at any given point in time and I don't know if you can think of anything off the top of the head. Dissolution of uh, the USSR, uh, the Gulf War, 9-11 um, uh, happened in 2001, oh, for, yeah. which for Absolutely. me, I was grown. <clears throat> and so it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it was over, what, 20, 22 years ago. But think about it. Also, the L.A. race riots with yes. Rodney King. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, that was like a really crazy time because... Because that wasn't the age of social media, so we were not as aware about, like, police brutality and stuff like that. So when you saw it on television and you saw what happened to Rodney King, it was like, whoa. And then you knew, and then you saw the riots and all of those things that were happening. It was like something we had never experienced Yeah, before. so that for us was like rare occurrence. I can count mm -hmm. on one hand how many times I've seen the Rodney King beating that happened to him. I remember where I was on a school bus mm -hmm. when they read the verdict because we all pulled over and they had a radio on in the school bus when O.J. Simpson was on trial. Oh my gosh, what am I talking about? <laughs> Talking about Rodney King. Uh, we were on the school bus. That was another traumatic experience. <laughs> that was another traumatic that, experience. That Ford Bronco. Yeah. Everybody was watching TV. Like, like that, 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 that truck was moving. <laughs> what? I what remember. No. <laughs> Maria, that because you were pulling up trauma. Up. <laughs> you, were, you were bringing up all of the trauma. Oh, no, for real. All black people, men mixed up. I'm you know, sorry. first of all, but you know, black people <laughs> play too much and we joke about everything, right? But we don't realize, like, that was very traumatic. It was. And then, we, and, and then that's when you saw, like, this divide amongst black and white folks. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. 
only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But it also, yeah. it contributes to my point that, like, I got those instances mixed up because it, it was like, it was such a rare thing. Right. And I, I remember that specific moment in time. Mm-hmm. Compared to today, as soon as you open your device, you see the Tyree Nichols video. Right. You see so much information. I mean, you could have a young person on social media, a teenager, even, you know, a, a kid in elementary or middle school, and they may be intentionally looking for something else, but because stuff is just unfiltered and it gets out there. So imagine how that yep. feels to a developing brain. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's important for us to consider as we are parenting our children. Absolutely. Absolutely. But imagine we only saw the news, right? And even with the Tyree Nichols thing, the most of most of what we've seen has been like derived from the news. But imagine being on TikTok, right? And you have a young girl that's like sharing her experiences, or she's depressed. I mean, and now I've, I, which you know, I I find it to be very bizarre just because I don't come from that generation. But they, you know, they young teenagers now they share everything, right? Yeah. So they're talking to their friends on social media about how they feel down and how they feel depressed and things like that. So imagine getting so many so much access to to personal stories and personal traumas that's completely different than the news yeah like you now have this vast amount of content and then if and then like if you watch one girl who's talking about depression and talking about her personal trauma tiktok gives you more Mm -hmm. and so imagine getting all of these sad stories yeah and and not having the wherewithal to say i'm not gonna watch anymore right because it's making me sad to me, that's what sticks out the most is because the algorithms are giving you more of something that you don't have the natural ability to filter. Yeah. Because it's like, I'll, I'll see myself sometimes and I'm like, oh, wait, okay, this is too much. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I'll put my phone away or I'll change the channel yeah. per se. But children don't have that ability. And so yeah. they're just getting fed whatever is coming their way. And even with my daughter, um, I had to take her off of YouTube. Yeah, because YouTube was a rabbit hole of content that I couldn't even control with parental controls. Yeah, and then she'd be like bringing up references to stuff that really scared her, and now she's scared to sleep in her bedroom by herself, and she wants all the lights on. And my listen, my electric bill no is getting high. Uh huh. Yeah. And so I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, let's yeah. pray. Mm-hmm. We gonna have to we gonna have to get let's, you through let's this. Let's get this mental health in order. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no, those just, you know, those things are are something we never had to experience. And so as a parent, I feel like you want to give your child access because you don't want them to be the only child without it. But then you also have to realize, like, that doesn't mean it's a good thing because everyone is doing it. A part of me sometimes is just a little in denial or sometimes we get too busy and like, are you good? Did you turn in your assignments? You know, make sure you get off your phone. But it's like. It's no real follow-up. I uh, was going through my daughter, Lagaya. She's in middle school now, and she had a couple of missing assignments. So I said, you know what, we're going to just get together tonight and go through your stuff, and we're just going to sit down until you get it done. And she had a good attitude about it. But I opened up her binder, and it was so unorganized. It was like language arts, social studies, science, math. It was like everything Mm -hmm. was jumbled together. You know, she had dividers, but it just wasn't organized. So I just started going through it assignment after assignment they weren't turned in mm-hmm. and so she, there, there wasn't a, like a whole lot of urgency and so I could I could say oh well they shouldn't do that whatever but I'm like I, I just need to own my responsibility in my mm-hmm. role as her mother and to be present 
And I think that that's something that's so hard for us to do because we feel like we're the parent. We can't do nothing wrong. If I tell you to do your homework, you should do it. Right. And I shouldn't have to come behind you and check. But I had to keep in mind the world that she's living in and the type of environment that she's growing up. Kids don't even learn to write in cursive anymore. Which is bizarre because I don't even know how to write in print. Like it's, they they it's like how yeah. they, they're not going to sign their names. I mean, Mm-mm. technology has changed so much. It's like a signature is going to be scanning your eyeballs oh or using goodness. your thumbprint or your I you know. know the level of education they're getting now. The lockdowns from the pandemic. You know, I had a therapist on uh, Dr. Kanika Bell, and she was talking about twenty-two year olds like. They don't even know how to make eye contact or shake hands because it was like all this isolation. There's so many introverts, you know, and they, right. it, people don't even know how to be social anymore. And so I'm just sharing all of these things. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind as parents and how we set expectations and how it magnifies the importance of being present with our kids. Right. But like, can we start back to when you were reviewing Lagaya's you know, homework folder, you realize all these assignments were undone. She's typically an organized child. So then when, like as a parent, when do you say like, is something going on to, yeah. to get her to this point? Because she's typically on top of her assignments. And how do you evaluate that? You yeah. know, how do you get to the bottom of it? Because now you're inserting yourself to say, let me get you on track. But did you identify like what got her there? I think the main thing was the leniency. Mm. They have this whole thing, and I think every parent should know this, and I'm sure most schools in the U.S. have a system where you can go online or in an app and see your child's grades and miss an assignment. So I'm up in that thing, like, you know. So that's one thing. It's like, like, if her grades are decent, I'm not even going to look. But I should be aware of her assignments. And, you know, I also noticed how her behavior changed Mm -hmm. over the last year and just some, some things that me and my husband discovered that were going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think oftentimes a parent's natural response is like, why are you doing it? Don't do it. Give me all your devices. You're on punishment. Right. Because now they're in the room with their thoughts. Yep. Kids these days, like you take something away, they really don't have those same coping mechanisms that we had. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think you also have to evaluate as a parent, like what, how they got there. Yeah. Because oftentimes, like if I'm working and if Lizzie's off of school or something like that, She's on her device and I'll before I look up, it's been four hours and yeah. she's just been glued to YouTube or glued to the phone or something like that. And it works out when I'm really busy and I have back to back calls. But then I think about it and I'm just like, I have a responsibility to her. Mm-hmm. And am I taking spending so much time? You know, like I'm not telling my clients or like, hey, I'm sorry, today my daughter's home. So I'm just like business as usual. Yeah. So she's just on her device or watching television or, and doing whatever, just like without me engaging with her and making sure that she has other things to do. But I can't take that from her. And she they don't do boredom like we did. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. Oh, boredom is like, what? We get in the car. She's like, Mom, can I use your phone? I'm like, why? Yeah. Well, what am I going to do while we're driving? Look out the window. Because that FOMO got their brains itching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's like ants in their brains. Like, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, they need something to, yeah. you know. So, I mean, and I will admit, I'm still an old school school mama where I'm just like no you know and I mean but we do talk a lot so she'll share with me like 
her interactions with kids at school and how things feel and, you know, so forth and so on. And sometimes I have to pry, Mm -hmm. but I think it's just really, we are moving so fast. It's not like our children are inundated with media, social media, but even we're, we're inundated with social media and then us, it's media, you're in the media field, you know, I'm in marketing. It's something that's kind of a part of our jobs. Yeah. So we have to be. And you realize like time is just passing by and you're not really putting your devices down and looking at your child and watching their behaviors. Right. And knowing when something is wrong. I will give you an example. When you talked about the pandemic, when um, Lizzie started school, kindergarten, she was doing virtual school. Mm. And, you know, like you don't realize that in daycare or in pre-K, the whole thing they talk about is when you start school, like they're preparing them for school and telling them how it's going to be in elementary school and all of these things. So she starts school and she's in downstairs in her playroom on yeah. a laptop. Like who <laughs> could imagine yeah. that a child would be on their laptop as a kindergartner yeah. with their teacher virtually. Right. Uh-huh. And, um, I remember one time I would, you know, cause I would like listen while I was working and their counselor came and was like, if you ever need to talk to me, you know, just let your teacher know. And I, and we can schedule some time to talk. And she was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I need to talk to the counselor. <laughs> and as a mother, I was like, clutching my purse. <laughs> like, well, my baby needs to talk to a counselor. But the, she was very, very affected by not going to school. Yeah. Like she was deeply disappointed and she couldn't articulate that. Yeah. But like they didn't even give them time for friendship because they had to break away from the screen during lunches and stuff like that. So she couldn't even form friendships virtually. Yeah. And she was, it, I just started to see her behavior change and I, I let her take a session with the counselor and the counselor didn't do anything but be her friend. Yeah. They talked about puppies and, and she was always like over the moon. Mm-hmm. But I realized like the p- pandemic, oh my goodness. It took a toll on our children. Yeah, and you know the whole irony of locking everything down and keeping kids out of school to prevent the spread of the virus Mm -hmm. is that mental health Mm -hmm. on the decline as a result of those lockdowns, it was really like a catch-22. Yeah. You know, I think that a starting point would really try to evaluate the source of the sadness, the source of the helplessness, Mm -hmm. and how it gets to the point of suicidal thoughts. That's the empathy that parents really need to have towards their kids. Like, what's making my kid feel helpless? As a parent, we automatic, automatically think, you got food, you got shelter. Like, what you, what you what depressed you, for? What's you know what I'm issue? saying? <laughs> but, but helplessness, man, if, if I'm a teenager and I'm looking at Ukraine, I'm looking at inflation, you know, I'm looking at all of this, the, the police brutality, social mm-hmm. injustice, like, Racial tension in the U.S., mm-hmm. politics, I mean, the list goes on and on. Bullying. Bullying. Kids hear about suicides among kids, too. Oh, my The gosh. Uvalde shooting, the school shootings. Kids are doing drills at school to keep them safe. Can I mean, Can, the mental toll, the weight, the emotional weight. Mm-hmm. And they were like, go to school, get good grades, do what I say, and then absorb all of this toxicity happening around you. And, and I think that, that you that's, have to process yeah, at, with a young mind. That's mm-hmm. an eye opener for me as a mom. And it has completely transformed the way that I love on my kids, having that in my mind and having an understanding of, of what they may need to listen more. I think it's just really important for parents to consider how the environment that kids are growing up in is making them feel and shaping 
their mental health right now. No, absolutely. It's interesting because you have to talk to your children. Like children will tell you, especially if you have like open communication, they will tell you what they're feeling. Maybe they can't articulate it, you know, precisely, but um, they will tell you what they're feeling. They'll tell you how things are going at school with certain people. But that's what I think. um, and, And I won't say I've mastered it with my daughter, but I will say I'm very intentional about like making sure that she's talking to me and holding my reactions. Like sometimes I'm coming unglued yeah. inside, you know, like when she told me she had her first crush in first grade, she was like, mama, these girls going to tell him that I had a crush on him. And I'm sitting there like, what you doing? With a crush? <laughs> you know, but, but because I didn't react to that and I just talked her through it. Now she'll tell me about, you know, everybody's crush and hers, you know, but, but she also tells me when she feels sad yeah. and she, you know, she tells me that she doesn't feel like she has a lot of friends. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say, Maria, that I think, um, for me, my experience is that it's been healing for me to have this like deep level of communication with her because sometimes I feel like I'm parenting myself. Yeah. She's such a reflection of me. She has so many like the characteristics that are similar. She's still her own person. Right. But she has so many characteristics that remind me of myself when I was younger, but my mom worked 16 hour days and she, it wasn't working from home. You know, she was like working, working and two jobs and things like that. And my dad, he, I mean, he was in tune with us, but just not in that same way. And nobody was really talking to me. And I remember having self-deprecating thoughts when I was 10 years old and not really feeling like I belonged and not, and I was the youngest. So everyone teased me. And I remember telling my mom, having a conversation with my mom, my mom, where I was like, I feel like everyone hates me. And so when, but when she tells me that I'm like pausing and the one thing I told her is I said, it's always going to be difficult for you to deal with kids because not to say that anyone's kid is better than, than another, but I was just telling her you are exceptional and sometimes exceptional people don't always mesh with everyone. You might not be the popular one, Mm -hmm. but you have something really special and you have a high level of intelligence and understanding. And sometimes when you talk to kids, it's going over their head. Yeah. And, um, but in that moment, it was like, I was looking at myself Yeah. and that was really healing for me. But I say, notwithstanding other methods, but talking to children regularly, having those moments where right before bedtime, you're checking in and seeing like, well, like you should always know who your kids' friends are and stuff like that, but they're going to stop sharing it right when they become teenagers, but you got to be in their business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Making them have something that they can reference to believe that you actually care, Mm -hmm. that they're just not being told what to do. Me just kind of looking at my role and my absence and just things that I needed to change as a mother was really humbling for me mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes you can feel like as a parent, you work hard for your kids to have nice things and you feel like the nice things are sufficient, you know, the mm-hmm. nice clothes and going to a good school and just all of those like material things. And James, my husband, you know, James, but everybody, right. I don't know if you, if you knew to the podcast, my husband's name is James, <laughs> but he always says, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I talk to Desiree about joining me to, you know, have a conversation about this topic, it can feel very somber because um, when I first saw these numbers and when I just kind of look at what these teen girls are going through, I'm just all girls, but, you know, more specifically teenage girls right now in this time, it's just like, wow, this made me really sad. And I, and I knew that there had to be other parents that felt the way I did. And I was really encouraged when a lot of people were sending me DMs when I did that short segment on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show about this and just what we could do as parents. So I think what I'll have us do right now is go back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, on the podcast, I always want to leave people with a one, two, three. This podcast is about actionable insight. So no matter where people are um, as parents or as caregivers, as aunties, uncles, or, you know, wh- wherever you may be, I feel like every person has a child in their life in some kind of way, right. a kid that they care about. Uh, one, two, three in terms of actionable insight. So you're actually going to get one, two, three, four, five, six. Cause I'm going to give you three and Desiree <laughs> okay. going to give you three. It'll be a real quick one. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go first and so you can kind of think about okay. um, what you're going to do. I, I think the first thing that I would say is to be attuned to your child. The body language and the words. If your child is quiet and they usually aren't, if it feels like they're hiding things, it's just as parents, intuitively, you feel something. And sometimes we can suppress that feeling and we want to say, no, not my child. They're not sad. It's okay. You know, they're just in a mood. And also we talk about girls a lot, but young boys experience depression. Absolutely. And, you know, have struggle with expressing themselves. And then also, you know, even think about black families. You're supposed to be strong. You're not supposed to show weakness. And so I think it's really important to look at the body language. Just look for little red flags or even pink flags. Mm-hmm. You know, pink flags are like just little subtle oh, things right. before it turns into, you know, a red flag. So I would say that would be one thing as parents that we can do to see, well, what is the source of the helplessness? What is the source of the sadness? Because if you catch it early and have a conversation and give your child that support, it can prevent it from escalating to something else. Oh, so Your am turn. I giving three things? No, you give one. I give. We're oh, gonna we go going back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah, back and forth. just okay. just in case, because I, you know, I may do three in a row. And be like, dang, no, this is my three, and you had to <laughs> think of three more on the spot. So no, we I gonna go it. back and forth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would say, um, just reinforcing what I said earlier. I think talk to your child, ask them questions, probe them, not in a way that is like accusatory, but literally talk to them and listen. I think listening, my daughter will tell me everything that I need to know if I let her ramble. She starts talking and the moment she steps, puts her feet on the floor in the morning. Listen, let them share. Don't be judgmental. And if it's something you need to correct, let them finish first. Yeah. Hear them out and maybe think about it and come back. You know, earlier you said something that really concerned me. Mm-hmm. You said that the boy in your class had been doing X, Y, and Z. Let's talk about that. Yeah. How are you going to handle that? Keeping that open communication, I think, is key in in holding yourself accountable as a parent to open, to create space for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think timing is really important, too. That's true. When you see your kid funky attitude, like, "Mm, maybe right now may not be the time, but I can come back and reference uh, something that I noticed in their attitude or their body language, Mm -hmm. and they may be more open, you know, at a later time. So I think that's really good. So, So my number two would be just to really lead by example. I'll go back to Lagaya in her classwork um, in the missing assignments. And so her, you know, rebuttal to me was, well, my social studies teacher said as long as I turned it in by 
you know, I don't know, a week late. Like she said she had time, which she did. Right. And I told her, I said, remember the other day when you asked me what was wrong? Mm-hmm. And I told you that I was overwhelmed. And I said, I was overwhelmed because I had a lot of things that I was supposed to do. And they piled up on me at one time. And it stressed me out. It made me sad. It made me nervous. It made me anxious. And I said, I just didn't feel good about it. And I was like, you noticed that in me. And I said, so this is a lesson that you need to learn early. And she's 11. I said, when you let stuff pile up on you, you're going to get stressed out. So if you stay on top of your things, and even if you have time, but if you stay on top of your things and get them done as they come in, you know, it'll really save you a lot of stress. But I think it's important for our children to see us fail and to see how we overcome those failures mm-hmm. and correct our mistakes. Yep. That will be your number two. I would say my number two, and this is just from my perspective, not everybody is going to agree, agree. You don't have to be a nice parent. Mm-hmm. You can be kind. But you don't have to always say yes. You can you can set limits that other people's parents aren't setting. Because I think that we're all responsible for our own children. Not to say I'm not responsible for, you know, my friends and family. Like, I love them, but I can't control or I don't have as big of an influence over their children. But as for me and my house, these are how things are going to go. And so I have to remind my daughter all the time that just because somebody else's mama is doing it, That doesn't mean that that's what happens here. So during dinner time, you will not be on a device. And, you know, like I just set limits and you don't always have to every single day have access to a device. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you love to read. You need to read. But I do think that it requires a certain level of accountability as a parent. If you're going to take those devices away or if you're going to set those parameters, you always you have to figure out how to fill their time and cultivate them in other ways. But I think definitely do not focus on being nice yeah. because it doesn't always have the best outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And and stand by and honor your parenting style. Everything that we're saying in, in this podcast is perspective. Take what applies to you. You know, Absolutely. you have to live with your choices and you, you know, your child better than anyone. And I think that I would just add on to what you're mm-hmm. saying. It's just, you know, stick to your parenting style and, and, and listen to your gut. My last one, of course, as a fitness professional, Mm -hmm. would have to do with uh, nutrition, movement, and sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. just bundling those three together is just really paying attention to what your child is eating. One of the things that I tell people, especially if you have a picky child or, you know, you're just really trying to get them to eat healthy. And Mm -hmm. kids, they develop taste and preference at an early age. And so if you're not giving them carrots and broccoli when they too, and they, you know, develop that that taste Mm -hmm. where it's going to be hard. But start with a smoothie. Just have a smoothie every day and put some spinach in it, put some pineapple in it, like mix it all up and have them get those nutrients from that. Pull out the high sugar stuff, you know, swap some of those drinks out for water. Uh, Sleep is a big deal. We see studies, scientific research has connected depression, anxiety, dementia with uh, sleep deprivation. Depending on your child's age, they may need up to 10, 11 hours of sleep per night. Even 12 or 13. Even 12 or 13 if they're they're younger. Kids in high school, 9, 10 hours is what's recommended. And they're going to sleep at midnight, Yeah, 1 o'clock in the morning if you don't monitor them. So on top of mental health, think about alertness and focus when they're in school. 
it's really important to enforce those boundaries. Movement, I believe, is medicine. If the weather is good in your area, any time that you can get outside and just feel nature and breathe, and I'm not saying have your child out there doing sprints and burpees and push-ups and like they're in the military, but get them used to moving their bodies. You know, remember when we were little, like we had changed our clothes, like we went to PE. Yeah. Like we, we, we had to do like physical fitness tests. Like, <laughs> But do you remember like your outside clothes? Like, remember when you came home from school, you put on your outside clothes because you weren't wearing your school clothes outside, but you were definitely going outside every day, Mm -hmm. unless it was bad weather. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've gotten completely away from. Yeah. And and my thing is like, I I feel like all movement counts. You know, there's there's research that supports, you know, serotonin levels and the endorphins that you get from exercising and moving your body. You know, I love to dance. So me and my daughter will put on just dance and it doesn't even feel like exercising. But you see kids dancing and acting silly Mm -hmm. like they can't help but smile and feel good. So so whatever whenever you can get that physical activity in and even if it's just a little bit, if Mm -hmm. you can just have them do it. A couple times a week, I think that would really make a big difference. I do want to just say, like, if you do just dance with your child, don't do like Maria does to her child. She beats her relentlessly. I like to. (laughs) It's important that kids learn what it feels like (laughs) to not come in first place. Mm. To 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 failure, learning the lesson of failure. I am competitive. If you look at my stories in the family, oh I'm like, I'm so competitive. She is <laughs> but my, my daughter be like, whatever, mom, like, <laughs> like you just crazy. <laughs> but, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're creating a lot of, lot of moments, but yeah, definitely um, nutrition, movement, sleep, wh- whatever improvements you can make there would make a big difference. How would you wrap it up mm-hmm. with the bow for your third one? I would one? say extend grace to yourself and to your child, mm-hmm. like often. Forgive yourself for not necessarily being in tune and start fresh. And like if you found any nuggets within what we've been talking about that you think are, oh, shoot, man, I ain't been doing good in this area. Give yourself grace because we are all trying to figure it out. But give your child grace and understand that they are not perfect as much as people want their kids to be perfect. We all want them to be on a straight and narrow all the time. Give them grace immediately and keep it real because, you know, you probably did some stuff that's way more Mm, bizarre than them. Yeah. And so I think if we can give our children grace when they make mistakes and not hold it over them, even when we're we're, you know, disciplining them, I think it will go a long way in fortifying your relationship with them and keeping that like not them not living separately from you and experiencing yeah. things separately from you. Uh-huh. Like they should, I told my child, and this is something I will tell her over and over again. There is nothing in this world that you can do that will make me turn my back on you or make me not try to help you find a resolution for it. So if you get into something where you can't even believe and you just think you're going to get in so much trouble, you need to call your mama. I'm so glad that you ended with that because Extending grace to ourselves as parents, especially if you're in a situation to where you feel like things have gotten so bad with your child, you don't even know where to start. Just a little bit can make a difference and consistently just trying to do that over time. So uh, you can follow at MBB Pod, uh, MBB Pod on Instagram and Facebook. We can continue the conversation there on social media. Would love your thoughts. If you had anything you wanted to contribute to this conversation, my girl Desiree Jones, she owns her own PR firm. We do a lot of work together. Um, she is my bestie and she just does it all. She like Beyonce in my head. So, um, <laughs> Thanks, Maria. 
you're awesome, Fran, and you're you're great at what you do. So how can people follow you on social media? Which which accounts are they following? Okay. Or your website as well. Oh yeah, Desiree Jones Co. D E S I R A E Jones Co. And Desi Jones Co. On social media. If you go down her time, you mostly post your PR stuff, but I think I, I may be somewhere on your timeline. You're definitely on mine because when she bought her house, I posted a picture of you with your big old key. I'm so proud. That's another podcast episode. Oh my this won't be the last time you hear Desiree <laughs> on this episode. Thank you so much, Bestie. Thank you for having me. I love you. Love you too. Mind, Body, and Business is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media production hosted by me, Maria Moore. Follow me at Maria Moore, M-A-R-I-A-M-O-R-E on all socials. Executive produced by Maria Moore. Senior Director of Podcast Operations, Sierra Reed. Supervisory Producer, Colby Kolb-Tyner. Director of Sales and Corporate Partnerships, Michelle Marino. Integrated Marketing and Partnerships, Lori Flowers, Laura Lopez, and Brittany Jackson. Digital Marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Davis, and Tim Hall. Music produced by Jamal J. So Smith. Thank you for listening to the Mind, Body, and Business Podcast.